Well, good morning. Everybody doing all right? Everybody good? That's a good day. It's a good day. It may be raining outside, but man, I'm telling you, God is doing some cool things in here. And uh, first service was uh, incredible. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're here. Glad to be a part of that. You know, just getting up and going to church on Sunday is sometimes a battle of the mind. Would you all agree with that? I mean, you have to sit there and go, you know, man, it's raining outside. You know, and we have a tendency sometimes to make decisions based on how we feel, right? Which is a bad foundation. And so some people had to get up and make that decision this morning. You know what? We're going to church. And I think it's important that we do not forsake the assembling of the brethren. You know, as we come together, we need to encourage one another. And it's just something about being in the presence of other believers worshiping that it impacts us. And here's the thing. God's Word even says that our worship will impact those around us. And so there may be somebody that comes in. They see that you believe what you sing. They believe that you are worshiping the one true God. And they go, you know what? I desire what they have. So our worship... Is critical. So don't ever, don't ever miss out on that opportunity. If you got the opportunity to worship, and today we're even going to talk about how it is critical in this battle that we're in. So we're in a series called Winning the Battle of the Mind, and uh, today we're in part four. And, and so we talked about a lot of things with our thoughts, how our thoughts have to change, and we, we have the power and the ability to change how we think. We can establish new patterns. And so for many of us in the room, we've kind of had maybe wrong thinking for most of our life. And maybe that pattern was established by somebody in our life. Maybe it was a family member, a dad, a mom, or whatever it could be. Maybe just somebody that has a lot of influence. And, and so I want us to today, again, I want us to talk about how to win that battle. Oftentimes we realize, hey, there is a battle, but how do we win this battle? And so we're going we're gonna to try to unpack this today. So how do we win the battle of the mind? Uh, we, we know there's some things that need to change. And a lot of times, no, just knowing what to do is not enough, Right. Uh, we've got to train. We've got to be equipped. We've got to get prepared. And uh, this past weekend, we had our our, men, our main camp, and we had some incredible guys there, and we had a lot of new guys there, which was all is always good. And so what we did is we did competitions, and we had competition between teams, and a lot of these guys got to know new guys, got to meet new guys, and got to build build some relationships. And so though, if any guys in here, if you were in here, or if you went to man camp, clap it up this in here. Okay, I guess they were all in the second service. Like one person clapped in the first service. So I told them all the spiritual people went to the second service. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so anyway, but we had a great time just men competing and doing stuff. And one of the things we did is we had weapons down there. I don't know if y'all know this. And some of you guys, you know, you might be going, well, I wish I'd have gone to man camp. Well, we're doing it next year. But the thing is, is they have competitions where they use pistols or shotguns. And we didn't get to do rifles this year, but there's archery. We even have guys there shooting a an arrow with a slingshot, you know, you're shooting it with a slingshot. And I was like, well, that's different. And um, they had chipping for golfers and they had a, a football toss for guys who uh, wanted to throw the arm out. So anyway, all that stuff was going on. And I just talked to somebody back there and said, man, my arm's still sore. So we had, you know, we had a lot of competition going on. But the thing is, is we often, you know, we, we realize we've got weapons, but we don't know how to use them. And there were guys there that were not real proficient with some of those weapons, just letting you guys know. So we do a safety briefing because we want to make sure everybody understands, hey, we need everybody to go home alive and safe, all right? And so the thing is, is oftentimes we're in a battle. We have this battle going on, right? And it's this battle of the mind. And we have weapons, but a lot of people are really not that proficient with them. They don't know how to use them. And so what we do is we have our mind is the battlefield. And we, we, we most of us would agree with that now. We say, you know what, Mike, I agree. Mind is the battlefield. You know, we, we start with these these thoughts. We, we battle. And oftentimes we lose the battle right here. So we've come to that realization. We've kind of come to that realization. But Scripture tells us 
that our mind can be transformed. It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's scripture. That's God's word. It says, hey, you can be a new person. You can be changed. You can be transformed. And maybe you feel like, hey, Mike, I've been this way my whole life. God can transform you. He can change you. He can change you from the inside out. And so we've got to be willing to let God change the way that we think. And he does that with his word, with the word of God. He leads us by the spirit of God. And, and the thing is, is we've got to be willing to submit and surrender to him and say, God, I want you to change me and transform me. But it says right there that he will change us by changing the way that we think. Then you will learn to know God's good, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. All of us in this room, if we have any kind of good thinking going on up here, we're going to go, you know what? I want to know what God's will is. I want to know what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. And we often think, and I think sometimes we think this, we think, well, if I'm in God's will, then I'm in the safest place. That's not always true. And let me kind of explain what I mean by that. The best place to be is in the middle of God's will, but it's not always the safest few years ago, I was doing a wedding and I had a, I had a lady come up to me and she said, Hey, listen, pastor, she said, I want you to meet my son. He's going to be a missionary. I said, yeah, man, I'd love to meet him. So we walked over and we we're talking. He was a tall guy, handsome guy, really sharp guy. And we got talking. I said, so you're going to be a missionary. He goes, yes, sir, man, big smile. And I said, where are you going? And he told me the country. And I was like, wow. I said, that's kind of a hot area. And he goes, yes, sir. And he just smiled. And I said, you realize I said that they're hostile to the gospel there. And he goes, yes, sir. And he just smiled. And I was like, okay. I said, so you know without a shadow of a doubt, this is where God wants you to be. And he goes, yes, sir. And he just smiled. And so here's the thing. This guy was going to a country where if he gets caught sharing the faith, he's most likely going to go to jail. There's a real good chance he could die. But he is going because he knows that's God's will for his life. And he said, you know what? I'm good. He said, I know this is where God wants me to be. So he knew God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. But here's the thing. It wasn't the safest place. And most of us in here, if you're a mom and dad, you'd be like, man, I don't know if I want my kid going there. I had another friend of mine. His daughter was going to Ethiopia as a missionary. And, and he had a problem with that. And he said, but I remember back whenever she was born, I held her up before God, kind of like the Lion King. and said, God, she's yours. And I trust you to take care of her because you can do it better than I can. And so sometimes we, we want to know God's will. But, man, when we find out what his will is, we're like, wait a minute, God. But I'm telling you, it's the best place to be. Best place to be. So... Couple things here. What we know, and we've, we've been in this series, this is the fourth week of it, so there's some things that you ought to know by now. And, and if I have to say them again and again until you get them, we're going to do that. But there's some things that we ought to know by now. So here's one. How we think shapes how we live. We need to know that. I mean, whenever you walk out of here today, you need to go, you know what? The way that I think is going to shape how I live. It's going to lead to, it's going to lead to thought. Those thoughts are going to lead to behaviors. Those behaviors are going to lead to actions. You know, and those, those actions are going to affect relationships. And it's all traced back to how I think. And, and all of us in here, we struggle with what we think on, right? You know, we talked about that. There's 30 to 35,000 thoughts a day for the average person. You know, and so you got these thoughts running through your mind and some of those are really negative. Some of those are destructive. Some of those are just, man, they're, they're just, they're lies. They're, they're lies from the enemy. And so we know that how we think shapes how we live. And this past week, I read an article about a young lady named uh, Jenny Burton. And, uh, it was, uh, it was on Fox, uh, Fox's website. I saw it on there and it was a, it was a young lady who her life had been changed. And so she had grown up in a drug home. I mean, it was drug infested. At seven years of age, her mom introduced her to drugs. By the time she was 15, she was a full-blown crack addict. 
And, uh, and so she just lived that life. She said the last grade that she can remember starting and finishing was sixth grade. And then after that, she was pretty much out of school. In her 20s, she was in and out of prison. You know, and, and she was just constantly in jail or out of jail or whatever. And, and anyway, she, she finally came to a point where uh, she, she got put in jail and she couldn't put, get up bail. She couldn't get out. And so she went through kind of a detox time and she started working on herself. And, and so the cool thing about the story is it showed a picture of her nine years ago. And then it showed a picture of her graduating from college. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that, that's amazing. So here's, here's, here's where she was at. When she, you can clap that up. I mean, that's worth clapping for. That's a, that's a life that's been changed. So this is nine years ago whenever she was in the throes of, of addiction. You know, and she couldn't shake it. And, you know, she said, I kept wanting to, you know, stop these, these drugs, but she, I kept spiraling out of control. And, and, and so just this past, I think in May, she graduated with a degree in political science from Washington State University. And so she posted that picture and it kind of gone, had gone viral. And she said, hey, listen, I want to help other people know that there's hope and there's a chance for change. You can change. And, and so when, when we look at this, a lot of times we see something like that. And we think, well, that's the way they end up. And they end up like this over here. But what we see with, with Jenny here is that's where she was at. But this is how she's ended up. She's a mother of three. She's got a, you know, a college degree, you know, and, and she's doing all kinds of things. And she's trying to help other people. And, and so we, we look back at that and we go, man, that's that's a picture of life change. Now, let me just say this in the article. And you can take the picture down in the article. You know, Jenny doesn't re, you know, she doesn't reference Jesus or God or anything like that. But what she does and I want to read a couple of things to you here that she said, she said, I recognize that my problem was me. And most of us don't like to take ownership. It's always somebody else's fault. But here, here's the evidence of a changed life. But she said, I recognize the problem was me. She said, it wasn't what my mom did to me. It wasn't the abuse that I experienced from my husband. But it was the choices that I was making. And so I became really, really committed to figuring me out. To changing the narrative. Changing the direction of her life. She goes, I recognize that the messages that I had been been giving to myself, those came from somewhere else. And at some point, I made the decision to consent to making those my truths. In other words, she bought these lies and all of a sudden she, she let them become truths and they became strongholds in her life. She thought they were truths, they were lies. She added, and so it had to be possible, it had to be possible for me to change those things. In other words, if she could go that way on the, in the first place, she could also come out of that. I love that mentality. Burton says she would write down positive words and repeat them to herself instead every day, sometimes multiple times a day. In other words, she was changing the way that she was thinking, right? And it changed the way that she lived. Eventually, I was able to actually look myself in the eyes and tell myself that I love myself. Burton said, so that's what I've done every day for the last almost nine years as I've reaffirmed those messages. So, you know, she doesn't talk about Jesus. She doesn't talk about God. She doesn't talk about Scripture. Now, she's heavily involved in Narcotics Anonymous, which they refer to a higher power. So I don't know where she's at in her spiritual walk. But the thing she said was, hey, you know what? I had to change the way that I was thinking, and I had to change what I was listening to. I had to change the narrative. And I'm just telling you, we, we've got to get our mind around that, that we have to change the way we think. And what I love is it wasn't, hey, what? It's my mom's fault. It's my, my husband's fault. It's somebody else's fault. And what we have to learn to do is take ownership of our sin and go, you know what? I'm the one that's choosing this. I don't need to blame anybody and everybody else. I'm the one that's making this choice to sin. I'm not, nobody's pushed me to do this. And, and so we've got to be willing to take ownership of that and say, God, I want you to change the way that I think and the way that I live. 
to what we know. Like I said, you know, we, we know that, you know what? The way we think is going to change, is going to affect how we live. The other thing is the good news is we have a choice. She had a choice. She made it. Every one of us in this room have a choice. We can make that choice today. We can choose to think on the positive things. We can choose to replace the lies with the truth. And we've said this for a couple of weeks now. This right here. As a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to consciously choose your thoughts and replace ungodly lies with scriptural truths. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, I have that authority and I have that power. That I, do, I don't have to follow this pattern that has been laid out for me. God gives me the authority and the power to be able to choose to focus on things that, that honor Him. To focus on the kingdom of God. To focus on the truth of God's Word. And so we have, a, as a follower of Christ, we have that option. We have that, that authority. We have to focus on what we believe and not what we feel, right? Like I said, people probably didn't feel like getting up and coming to church today. But we don't make those decisions based on how we feel. We have to make decisions, especially in life, that are based on what we believe. What do we believe? Do we believe God's word? If we believe it to be truth, then let's line up with it. But if we make it, if we base our decisions just on how we feel, that ebbs and flows. I mean, a lot of you guys stayed up late last night watching a ball game, and you may be tired this morning. You don't feel good. You know what I'm saying? And you might be snapping at everybody. Maybe you didn't get your coffee this morning. And whatever it can be can affect how we feel. And those feelings are men it's such shaky ground to to make decisions and to build our life on. So we have to focus on what we believe. So we need to focus on the Word of God, and we need to focus on the truth of God's Word, and, and let that be our foundation. So what thought has been planted in your mind by the enemy? So we know that the enemy is going to attack us. I mean, he literally, he's always kind of throwing these little fiery darts at us, you know, or, or maybe he's just kind of peppering you with little thoughts, little nagging thoughts. I had a gentleman walk up to me after the first service. He said, man, this thought is just wearing me out. And we talked about what, you know, how to win in that area. And sometimes we need some accountability around us. And sometimes we need some counseling, somebody to walk with us and to teach us and to show us how to, how to overcome this area. You know, and so, so what thought has been planted in your mind by the enemy? You know, maybe, maybe he's kind of planted a few thoughts and we're going to talk, we'll talk about what the lies are. We've covered that a few weeks, but I just kind of jotted down a few that, Maybe you deal with, maybe you've, you constantly deal with this when you're a failure. You look at your brother, you look at your sister, you look at your mom, you look at your dad, you look at your friends, and you feel like you're a failure. And you go, you know what, I'm a failure. And you, you hear that lie from the enemy and you buy it and you just believe it. And you just get to the point where, you know what, I'm just a failure. I mean, everything I do, I can't, I don't do anything really well. And so you just feel like a failure. So you go through life believing this lie. And here's the thing. If you believe that lie and you think that enough, you'll start living that out. But it's whenever we change the way that we think, right? And we go, you know what? God says that he has a plan and a purpose for my life. So if he has a purpose for my life, I'm not a failure. God says he wants to do great and mighty things through me. And if he wants to do great and mighty things through me, I'm not a failure, right? But that's one of the lies that we hear. You're a failure. Here's another one. You're alone and no one cares about you. We talked about that, right? You're alone. There may be some of you. You're sitting in a room full of people right now and you feel all alone. And the enemy is saying, there's nobody that cares about you. There's nobody that really wants to know about your issues or your challenges or your struggles. I mean, you're a failure, remember? Nobody really cares about you. And that's what we hear. But, you know, we've got to know. You know what? That is a lie from the enemy. And maybe you woke up this morning thinking, you know what? I feel like I'm all alone. And if you think on that... You'll go down through, you'll go down through your life being alone because you think it. Whatever you think, man, you start going down that road. We talked about this past week. As a man thinks, he follows. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we've got to be willing to say, God, change the way I think. Change the way that I, I, you know, what I listen to. 
you will always be this way. You ever heard that? You ever thought that? You ever, you ever kind of go, you know what, that, that's me right there. You know, I, I'll always be this way. Or somebody has told you, you'll always be that way. You'll never change. And all of a sudden, we believe that lie and we embrace it. The enemy has planted it and we just, we just accept it. You'll always be this way. Here's another one. You'll feel better if you sin. That's, that's what Satan loves to tell you. And let me tell you, sin is fun for a season, right? It's fun. It's exciting. You know, and, and the thing is, is you feel like you get away with it. But man, it, you pay for it in the end. It leads to death. Death of relationships. Your, your spiritual death. Your separation from God. And so we have this, this lie that says, hey, listen, if you'll just go ahead and do it. That's what everybody else is doing. I mean, everybody else is doing it. I mean, everybody is doing the same thing. Why do you have to be different? You don't want to be a holy roller, do you? You don't want to be the religious goo, you know, guru or whatever. You want to just go do and fit in. You want to blend in with everybody else. So just do what they're doing. That's what we're told. You'll feel better. You'll be accepted. You deserve to be bitter and angry. Now, this is a lie that a lot of us embrace, and we hold on to this one. We're like, you know what? I deserve to be bitter. I deserve to be angry. And I think if anybody probably had that mentality, Jenny... Burton, who we just read what she said, would have the, the right to say, you know what? I deserve to be bitter. I deserve to be angry. I mean, because look at what my mom did to me. She had there were seven children in that home, seven children at home. And this mom literally you know, got them all involved in drugs and stuff. She's talking about how chaotic it was and all this stuff. And so it'd be real easy for us to say, you know what? Jenny deserves to be angry and bitter. And maybe you're just like her. You're going, you know what? Mike, you don't know what I've been through. I don't. God does. But God tells us, hey, listen, I don't want you to live in bitter and angry. What that is, is you have a cancer inside of you that's just eating you up. And, and you've got to be willing to say, God, I want to walk in forgiveness, not unforgiveness. God, I want to walk in peace. And God, I want to walk in a way that honors you and glorifies you. And God, help me to live that out. But those, those are some of the lies that maybe the enemy has thrown your way. And so here's the thing, how to win the battle. I want to give you three things today that I feel like will help you win this battle how do we win the battle of the mind we've talked a lot about the battlefield and what it looks like and how the enemy works but there's three three things i think you need to do three steps you need to take and one we've covered a good bit so this is kind of, of a review we have to identify the lie the enemy is planting in your mind so some of those that i just threw out there were just kind of scenarios but there's there, these are the ones that we've covered that we know that the enemy does the lies we're told by the enemy we we're told these on a regular basis and he does everything he can to get us to believe these lies. And if we will believe them, they become a stronghold. The first one is that, I'm alone. We're told that we're alone, but God's word says, you know what? I am with you. Jesus told the disciples, he said, I'll, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Psalms 23, we've been, we've been uh, looking through that passage over the last couple of weeks. And he says, I'll walk with you through the darkest valley. I'll be with you. You know, he'll take care of us. And so we, we've got to know, you know what? God is with us. God is here. God wants a relationship with me. God wants to walk through the darkest valleys with me and not just up to the valley and let me walk through it. He wants to walk through that with me. Like I said last week, we've got to be reminded who we're with. You know, there's power sometimes in that. And so we've got to understand, is that the lie that I'm buying? Here's the second one. I'm unlovable. You, you feel like, Mike, you, don't, you just don't know how many relationships I've been through. And it's like, I, 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 nobody loves me and I'm unlovable. I mess up every relationship I get involved in. I'm not in a good relationship with my mom or my dad, my brother, or my sister. You know, even everybody that I date, they just, you know, it just always falls apart. And so I'm unlovable. That's what we believe, right? It's what the enemy has told you. But John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that so that whoever would put their faith in him, 
He would save them. He would place his spirit within them. And he would use them to do great and mighty things. He would use them to be an ambassador in, in this world. Showing and sharing the love of God. So in other words, you become a vessel that is filled with the, the love of God and the spirit of God. And you go and you share that love with other people. So God says he loves you. He loves you so much he'd send his son to die for you. Jesus loved you enough that he laid down on a cross and he literally was pierced with spear, with spikes and, and literally dr- driven into the wood. And as he's laying there, he's going, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's how much he loved the guy that nailed him to the cross. The people who spat upon him. The people who beat him. He said, Father, forgive them. Man, that's love. To walk in forgiveness. And so, I'm unlovable is what we're told. We're told that we're worthless. You know, uh, we maybe somebody told you, man, you'll never measure up to anything. You'll never make it. You know, we look around at our friends and we go, you know, they're successful. They're, they're making this amount. They've got, you know, uh, they've got a, a spouse. They're married. They've got kids, whatever. And all of a sudden we begin to play it down and we begin to feel sorry for ourselves. And we just say, you know, I'm worthless. There's, there's just nothing good about me. And Jesus says there is something good about you. He came to redeem you. He came to restore you to right relationship with the Father. He, he puts his spirit within you. Whenever you put your faith in him. And then he also, this is what I love too. He also says that he gives you spiritual gifts or spiritual endowments. And so there's some of you in this room that have the gift of teaching or the gift of mercy or the gift of hospitality. He says, hey, I want you to use those gifts to help build up the body of Christ. Does that sound worthless? Ephesians 2.10 says we're his masterpiece. Masterpiece to me is always something that sounds really expensive. You're like, hey man, there's only one of those, like one of a kind. Like that is an unbelievable piece of work. And that's what God says about us. We're his masterpiece. So the enemy says we're worthless. God says we're a masterpiece. I'm helpless. We often feel like, well, Mike, you, you don't know. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Well, maybe you're doing it in your strength. Maybe you need God's strength. Maybe you need the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Maybe you need to say, you know what? I've tried everything and I can't seem to win in this area. And I need to just lay it down on the altar. I need to come up here and lay this down. Or I need to put it at the foot of the cross. And I just need to surrender and say, God, I can't do it. I need you to do it. But we, we say that we're helpless. That's what our, the enemy tells us we're helpless. But whenever we look back and for those of us that have put our faith in Christ, we have the power of God at work within us. You know, dynamite power, divine power at work in us. We have the spirit of the living God at work within us. And so we kind of got to, we got to get our mind around that. So those, these are the lies. So the first thing you have to do is you have to identify the lie. What's the lie that you've been believing? And so today you might want to look out to the side and say, hey, which of these is what, you know, the, the lie that I've been believing for most of my life, or maybe for the last few weeks, or maybe for today, this is what I'm believing. And then here's the second one. We have to bind the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. We have to bind the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. There's power in Jesus' name. You know, there, there's times when I, I, I'm praying down here this morning, you know, in every service, I'm praying, God, you know, and I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus. There's something about that name. And it's not just a song, but there's something about the name of Jesus. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which a man must be saved. It's Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so whenever we, when we bind Satan, when we bind demonic forces in the name of Jesus, we're using power that comes from God, divine power. And, and so we've got to understand, number one, how to use these weapons. And we're going to talk about these weapons a little bit today. I covered a, a lot of the weapons with the guys Friday night at man camp because... 
I wanted them to understand we have these weapons, but a lot of times we're real improficient with them. I mean, we don't know how to use them. And we need to go, you know, God, teach me how to become more proficient with these weapons so that I can win this battle. Because I'm telling everybody in the room, there is a battle. There is an enemy. He's coming against us. And we got to know, you know what, he's not backing off. But we need to be prepared. And we need to be able to push back the darkness. A few minutes ago, we were singing a song. It was talking about, man, when we worship, it literally pushes back the darkness. And so we've got to have that mindset. But we have to bind the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, we've used this passage a lot. But look at it again. For though we live in the world, we do not wage the war, uh, wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power is God power. Isn't that right? God power at work and is available to us. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, guys, you've got divine power. You've got the power of God at work in you. And what we have... The ability to do is to literally demolish strongholds because of this power. And what is a stronghold again? It is a lie that we have believed from the enemy to the point of where it becomes a truth. That's what Jenny was saying. Jenny said, these became truths in my life and they were coming from somewhere else. They were coming from the enemy. And so if we believe those lies long enough, they become strongholds and we can't seem to get out of it. And we just seem to keep spiraling out of control. And man, we're just, we're wasting away. And God is saying, hey, listen, man, I can set you free from that. We, these strongholds can be torn down and you can have abundant life, abundant life now. Not just when you get to heaven, but abundant life now. And so it's divine power to demolish strongholds, not just to kind of knock them back. It's to, to demolish them. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have to be able to take that thought captive. And let me just tell you, man, I'm, you know, you, you might think, well, Mike, you know, I've got, you just said we've got 30, 35,000 thoughts. How do we take every thought captive? We don't have to take every thought captive that is positive. We let those go. We say, man, man I'm going I'm to let that go. I'm going to let that just run its course. That's what I need to be focused on is what's positive. Remember, 80% of what we think is negative. So those are the ones we have to take captive. And we've got to be willing to say, you know what, the, the positive things, man, I'm letting those flow. I'm just letting them run out of my mind. I'm letting them just run through my mind. And I'm going to embrace those and I'm going to focus on those things. But the, the negative thoughts and the, uh, the demonic attacks, we do have to take those things captive. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let me just tell you, I woke up at 2.30 this morning and immediately my mind was under attack. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of it's because of what I'm teaching. You know, a lot of it's what I'm teaching. And so I'm laying there in the bed and I'm literally having to fight this fight laying in the bed. And I'm I'm quoting scripture. I'm praying. I'm asking God, God, take these thoughts away. God, just help me win this battle right now. And so from 2.30 till about 6 o'clock, I just go to sleep and kind of wake up. And as soon as I woke up, it's like I was being bombarded with these thoughts. And it, it is. It's demonic warfare. So you might say, well, Mike, I'm not real comfortable with all that demonic stuff. I'm just telling you, you're not comfortable with the Bible then. Because Jesus addressed it. He dealt with demonic issues. He dealt with the enemy. He calls it the, Satan, the, the enemy, the father of all lies. And we've got to understand, how do we win this battle? We've got to literally battle. And it may, and it may be a battle that lasts that long. And it may, for some people, like Jenny uh, Allen, who wrote the book, Get Out of Your Head, 18 months she battled. 18 months she was in a battle. But we've got to understand, you know what, God gives us the authority and the power to win 
and to, to demolish these strongholds, these lies. To winning the battle for your mind requires you to take every thought captive and to make it obedient to Christ. And so when I'm laying there in the bed, I'm, got, I'm going, God, I want this thought, I want, to, I want to put it at the foot of the cross, obedient to Christ, covered by the blood of Christ. I want it to be torn down. I want it to be destroyed. God, I don't even want it to even enter my mind. And so we have to pray those things. And sometimes you have to pray over and over, but we have to make every thought captive. If a thought is not taken captive by you in Jesus' name, that thought will take you captive. And I'm telling you, there's truth in that. If you listen to something long enough, you'll begin to believe it. And you listen to it long enough, it'll begin to affect your life. And your behaviors will follow that thought. And then those behaviors will affect the relationships. And before you know it, you're, you're what you're thinking. I remember, t- you know, parents all the time. If you tell a kid he's dumb enough, enough times, he'll believe he's what? He's dumb. You tell that kid, hey, you know, you're a loser enough times, he'll think he's a loser. And so all of a sudden he begins to think he's this because someone has told him that's what you are. But God's word says, hey, listen, man, you've got to take these thoughts captive and know that, you know what? They do not honor God. They do not line up with the word of God. They do not, you know, they're not what they're not. There's no Jesus in them. And so it's the enemy. So we have to take those thoughts captive and say, you know what? Get out of here. In Jesus name, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we've got to be willing to lean into those. We bind every thought with God's truth, God's word, God's truth, God's word. We have to take God's word. And, And let me just say this. It's one of the weapons we're fixing to unpack a little bit. And I shared this with the men over the weekend, but here's the thing is most of us in here would say that we would agree with that, that statement that we bind it up with truth. Jesus, he rebuked Satan, Satan tempted him. And if, if Satan is going to tempt Jesus, I promise you, he's going to tempt us. He's going to attack us, but we need to follow Jesus if we're followers of Christ and do what he did. And he used scripture to rebuke him. The only thing is sometimes is we don't know scripture. Now, let me ask you, and you don't have to raise any hands. <clears throat> How many verses do you know? How much scripture do you know? Do you know five verses? There's a lot of you in the room that say, well, I think I know John 3, 16. I think I know, well, that's about it. I mean, sometimes we go, you know, that's about it. Do you know five verses? Do you know ten verses? There may be some heavy hitters in here that go, you know what? Man, I was in Bible drill and whatever, and I I know a lot of scripture. Here's the thing. You can know scripture and not apply scripture. Satan knows scripture better than anybody, right? He knows that he loses in the end. He knows that he is defeated. That's why he's constantly trying to attack and dissuade us and discourage us and to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. So what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to, to know your word, to learn your word, to memorize your word, to hide your word in my heart. That's what King David said. He goes, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so when the enemy attacks at 2.30 in the morning, do you know scripture that you can quote back to him? Do you know scripture that you can throw at him and refute him with? And some of you sitting there going, no, you don't have any bullets in the weapon. You don't have any bullets in the gun. So here's number three, and I'm going to cover these weapons with you, and I'm going to try to cover them fairly quick. But there, there's three, number three is this, the, the, take up the weapons of God that defeat the enemy. So here's the thing, you have to take them up. It's kind of like, you know, if I don't take them up, if I don't pick them up, if I don't get used to them or proficient with them and know how to use them. Like we always joke, you know, about, you know, the hardest the hardest, uh, uh, I guess, competition that we have down there to make sure it's safe is the pistol. Because, you know, a guy will pick up a gun. He goes, man, that's a, that's a nice pistol. You know, and he's pointing it at everybody. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so you have to make sure, you know, that that barrel is pointed in a safe direction. And so there's times, though, when people, you know, they won't even take up weapons. They're like, you know, I'm afraid of those. But the thing is, is, these are spiritual weapons that we need to know how to use. And that we need to become proficient with. And we need to know how to use it against the enemy. Because I promise you, he's using every weapon he's got against us. 
to, we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to be effective and proficient. Help me to be well trained. There's a lot of military guys that were there this weekend. You know, and I know our military, they train our guys and our ladies to be able to go out and do their job and do it well. And they're always preparing for a battle, right? They're making sure because there is an enemy. We have enemies around the world that hate what we do and hate what we're about. There's some of them hate the fact that we're teaching God's word right now. And so we have we have guys that are trained and equipped and prepared to respond. But let me tell you what the church needs. The church needs warriors that are trained and equipped to go out and push back the darkness. Not to keep letting the darkness push in on the church, but the church is pushing back. We are the light of the world is what Jesus said. He said, I put it inside of you. And man, you need to be a light on a hill. You need to be, you need to let the people know there's there's hope. So let's kind of unpack some of these. So defeat our enemy with the word of God. We've already covered that. You need to memorize scripture. You need to be able to read God's word. You might say, well, Mike, I don't really like, you know, know how to read it. Well, get someone to teach you how to read it. Maybe you've got a, an old translation that you, you don't speak in these and thous anymore. Get a, a version that you can read and you can understand. But reading God's word is a start. Studying God's word is another step. Memorizing scripture. You know, and then here's the thing. Claiming and then applying it. The application of scripture is the most critical part. We can, we can read scripture in here today and you guys can go, well, that's a good verse, but you can walk out of here and not apply it and you'll miss out on the blessing. And so we need to hear the word of God. We need to apply the word of God. And, but we need to be proficient with the word of God. So we need to memorize scripture, hide it in our heart, and then be able to use it to refute the enemy. Here's another one. The spirit of God. The spirit of God is placed within the believer. The one who has come to a point of saying, you know what? I'm a sinner. I am messed up. I am broken. That's every one of us. And saying, hey, listen, I surrender my life to you, Jesus, and I'm asking you to come and live within me. And Jesus, I want you to be my leader. I want you to be my Lord. And I want to live for you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. I want to live for you. And so when we come to that point, the Bible says, if you put your faith in what Christ did on the cross and through the power of the resurrection, and you put all your faith in him, it's the only way we're saved is by faith in Jesus. And he is the only way. He says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one gets the Father except through me. When we do that, we become a child of God. Psalms 139, we're created and we're, we're a creation of God. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we become a child of God and part of the family of God. And so the Bible says that he places within us the spirit of God. And so the spirit of God is what guides me, is what teaches me. It even prays for me when I don't even know how to pray. Like at 2.30 this morning when I'm in a battle with my mind and I've got this enemy, they're throwing these darts at me. The, the Holy Spirit is praying for me and interceding for me is what Scripture says. So the Holy Spirit is at work. So therefore, he is a weapon against the, the powers of darkness, right? So the spirit of the living God is at work within me. And he'll, here's the thing. He will convict me over the sin in my life. And he'll say, Mike, you know, this is not honoring God. This is, does not line up with God's word. You know, you need to confess this. So he's teaching me. He's, he's convicting me. He's guiding me. And at times he's defending me through the power of prayer. So we need the spirit of God. Here's another, the name of Jesus. We already talked about this. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And so one of the great weapons that we have is to be able to pray in the mighty name of Jesus. I, I, I shared in the first service, we have a, a lady in our church who is battling cancer. And uh, we've got a couple of people in our, in our church that are battling cancer. But she shared the other day that that someone had, you know, a lot of people have been praying for her, but someone had uh, asked, hey, listen, do you mind if I pray for you? And whenever they put their hands on her, she said it was like God had kind of changed her whole perspective. And so there was power in the laying on of hands. You might say, well, you know, why is that? Well, Scripture says to lay hands on people and pray over them. 
It says to anoint them with oil. We go, why in the world would you do that? Because God's word says it, and it's a faith step. It's a faith issue. And so, therefore, God, we, we trust you, and we believe that if you say to do it, we're going to trust you. And so she said that whenever this person put their hands on her and prayed over her, it changed everything about her perspective. And they prayed in the name of Jesus. Guys, don't miss that. You know, the scripture was clear. There was times whenever, you know, you know, the demons would leave and speak out and they say, hey, listen, we know who Jesus the Christ is, but we don't know who you are. They know who Jesus is. The, the enemy knows he has defeated death, hell and the grave. They know. And so in the mighty name of Jesus, when we speak that, that is a weapon, is a divine weapon for us to, to use. Here's another one. True worship. True worship is whenever I truly focus on who Jesus is. I focus on the Father. I focus on the Holy Spirit. And, and whenever I'm, and when I'm locked in in worship, I'll be honest with you, I'm not focused on the other things going on around me. I'm not focused on the storms in my life. I'm not focused on the negative people in my life. I'm not focused on the lies of the enemy. I'm focused on God. I'm focused on the Father. I'm focused on the Son. I'm focused on the Holy Spirit. And so whenever I'm in true worship, man, I'm going, you know, God, all this other stuff is kind of, kind of pushed away and pushed to the side. So when we worship him in truth and in spirit, Jesus said, hey, there's there's some that will come that they will worship in truth and in spirit. What does that mean? They worship according to the word of God. They worship th- the word of God. And here's the other thing. They're filled with the spirit of God. And so whenever they worship, man, they're worshiping the truth of God's word and they're worshiping being led by the spirit of God. And so God is saying, hey, listen, man, if you want to push back the darkness in your own life, man, worship, draw near and worship. And so whenever we truly worship, man, it's, it's, it, we're, our focus is on Jesus. You know, we've talked about that. He has to be our focus. We've got to look into his eyes. We've got to look into his face and say, hey, Father, thank you for loving me enough to send your son to die for me. The good shepherd is sitting across the table from us. We talked about Psalms 23. He's sitting there. Instead of focusing on everything else around us or even the stuff that's on the table, we focus on the shepherd. We focus on the shepherd. So true worship. And here's another one. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer is praying. It's, it's communicating with God. It's interceding on behalf of others. It's praying for God's power to fall. I pray every Sunday for God to pour out His presence on this room. That we would walk out of here undone, changed, rattled by being in the very presence of God. And I believe that whenever we worship, there's, there's been a few times in my life that I would be so overcome with emotion... Because I knew I was in the presence of God, that I was broken over my sin, that I couldn't stay the same. I had to walk away from there different than I showed up. I was at a conference in Atlanta one time, and a guy was talking about being a part-time Christian and a full-time pastor. And as he talked to me, as he did this, te- this teaching, it just, it, meant it just rattled my soul. And I was like, God, I do not want to be a part-time Christian and a full-time pastor. I want to be fully surrendered. And man, I was over, I'm sitting in this conference just weeping uncontrollably, broken over that mentality. And I'm just telling you, man, you know, God, he, he tore down something in my life. And, and so I'll just tell you this, you know, I, I believe in the power of prayer and fasting. The scripture even says that the disciples tried to cast out some demons and they came back to Jesus and said, man, we couldn't do it. He goes, what is this about? And he said, hey, some things can only be done by prayer and fasting. Fasting is relinquishing the natural for the supernatural. You're saying, hey, God, I'm giving up something. Maybe you give up social media. Maybe you give up food or maybe you give up, you know, something that you really like. Now, don't give up broccoli if you don't like broccoli. That's not really working. All right. You got to be willing to say, hey, listen, I give up something that means something to me. And every time I want that, I'm praying. 
Every time that I, I desire that cup of coffee or I want to go pick up my phone and look at social media, I'm reminded I need to be praying for God to tear down the strongholds in my life or maybe even in the, in the lives of my kids or maybe in the lives of my parents. You know, I don't know if you got, anybody in here remember Dr. James Dobson? Incredible man of God. Made a huge difference in families all across our nation, really across the world. One of the things he did, he fasted for his family every Friday. He would fast and pray for his family every Friday. Moms and dads, what if, what if we fasted one day out of the week and we prayed for our children, we prayed for our family? What if we fasted one day out of the week and we prayed for our marriages? What if we, fa- what if we were willing to relinquish the stuff that we think we have to have for that which God says, hey, listen, I'll give you even better things, even greater things. What if we were willing to relinquish those things for the things of God? And man, maybe he would just tear down some barriers in our life. Maybe he would tear down some strongholds in our life. And maybe he would heal our children. Maybe he would heal our friends if we would, we would fast and pray. And then here's the last one. Our next to the last one. Thanksgiving. So here's another one. You might say, well, Mike, that worship can be. But I think sometimes it's important for us to take a few minutes and just say, God, I just want to thank you. Because what we do a lot of times is we focus on what's going on. We're in the middle of a storm or a crisis or a tough time. And, and all we can see is what's going on right here. And we can't see, we're not, we're not focused on Jesus, we're focused on everything. But there are times I think it's important to look back and realize what God has done. There's a lot of days that I just go, God, I want to thank you for my boys. I thank you for Hunter, Zach, and Christian. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for Laurie. I thank you for our church. I thank you for the men and women of this church. I thank you for the, those who, who, who love me, who pray for me, who, who stand in the gap for me. And so I'll begin my day just literally praying and going, God, thank you for this. And let me tell you something. There's times when the enemy wants to attack that I just start thanking God and I realize all that he's done. God, thank you for your provision. God, providing a place to meet. God, thank you for what you've done. And it helps you to see that God is going to be faithful in the, in the future, just like he's been faithful in the past. Right. So Thanksgiving changes my perspective. And whenever I'm thankful, I'm not focused on the enemy. And I'm not even focused on the storms anymore. I'm focused on the faithfulness of God. I think about Peter when he got out of the boat to walk towards Jesus. He said he was looking at Jesus and all of a sudden he began to see the storms and the winds and the waves. And he began to look at that and he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. And Jesus has to reach down and pull him up and he says, Peter, oh, you have little faith. And so if we say focused on the, on the Messiah, if we say focused on Jesus. Here's the last, tool, last uh, weapon is our testimony. And, and so our testimony is, is us being a witness it's like if I saw a wreck happen and I said, hey, listen, uh, I'll, I'll share my story. I'll tell you what I saw. All I'm doing is I'm telling people what I saw. And so our testimony is me living out my life in such a way that I'm letting people know, hey, let me tell you what I've seen Jesus do in me. And we're called to be ambassadors, representations of Christ. And, and so in Revelation 12, I think it's verse 11, it talks about the battle in heaven where Satan is defeated and it says that he was defeated by the, by the blood of the Lamb and the power of the testimony, the word of the testimony. And so I'm just telling you, there's some of you that God is going to use your testimony to tear down the, the lies in your family. God is going to use your testimony, you living out your faith, to push back the darkness in your family and maybe even in your community. And if, if this many people were really living out their faith in such a way that their testimony was one that people were like, man, there's something about that person. They are changed, they're different, and they desire what you have. You're pushing back the darkness. You're pushing back the darkness. And so our testimony is critical. I believe that there's times that people see, you know, us and how we respond and it changes them, changes their thinking. Look, it's through the power of God and the weapons of God, we can change the way we think, therefore changing the way we live. Don't miss that. 
with the power of God and the weapons of God, both those things working together and we're fully submitted to God, it will change the way we think, therefore changing the way we live. So this doesn't change. I've said this probably every week for three or four weeks. My task is to focus on the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, Jesus. My job, my task is to focus on Jesus. And if I stay focused on Jesus, you know what? I'll be able to accomplish what he has for me. If I stay focused on Jesus and not my problems, he'll get me through them. And sometimes he'll carry me through them. If I stay focused on Jesus, he will change the way that I think about myself. And he'll change the way I think about him. But I've got to stay focused on him. There's a great passage in Hebrews where it talks about our focus. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a a great, a huge cloud of witnesses, a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let's, let's confess it. Let's strip it off. So, you know what? I'm tired of believing this lie. I'm tired of living this, this life of sin. I want to strip it off. I want to throw it down. And I want to, I want to, I want to run this race. Look at this next verse. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance. That means that we persevere, that we press on, we push through. We've got these weapons now to push back the darkness. And so as we're moving forward and we're pushing back the darkness, man, we're reaching people. We're leading people to Christ. We're letting them know, hey, there's hope and there's, there's a chance for you that God can change you. He can save you. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. How do we do it? By keeping our eyes focused on Christ. I want to become more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. I want to be more like Jesus this week than I was last week. And the only way that we do that is we focus on who he is. We say, God, make me more like Christ. And there's times that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll want to react a certain way. And we'll go, you know what, man, that's not Jesus. That's Mike. That's my flesh. I want to, I want to reflect Jesus. Look at this last part. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He sits next to the Father. You know what he's doing? He's going to the Father on your behalf. He's literally taking your request to the Father. So whatever you're going through, man, if we will lift it up to Jesus, he is taking it to the Father. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Let me just tell you, I, I believe there's some of you sitting in this room, you've been that close to giving up. You're that close to throwing in the towel. You're that close to giving up on God. You're that close to giving up on life. There may be some of you looking, watching online, same thing. You're going, man, I'm that close. Don't give up. I mean, that scripture was clear. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. But man, if anything, lean into Jesus. Focus on Jesus and let him heal you. Let him set you free. Let him change the way that you think. Let him change your life. And that you're, you know, you don't have to say, man, I'm just an addict. But man, I'm an addict that's been set free. Man, I've been set free indeed. And I'm not just an addict, man. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You know, I'm not just a liar anymore. I've been set free, man. I'm going to walk in truth. I'm not living this life out full of unforgiveness. I'm walking in forgiveness. And so God, thank you. For helping me walk in freedom, experience victory, and walk in forgiveness. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and 
I just want to encourage you, man, if you've never put your faith in Christ, let that be your decision today. Maybe you're watching online. You've never accepted Christ. You've never surrendered to who he is. Let that be your decision. Let Jesus be your focus right now. Don't even focus on your problems. I don't want anybody here focusing on your problems. I want you to focus on Jesus and he will show you what you need to do with your problems. But but just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, if you're watching online, you've never received Jesus. You say, Jesus, I confess you that I'm a sinner. And I confess you that I am broken. And I am in need of a Savior. And I am in need of repair. And I need to change the way that I live. And I need to change the way that I think. So, Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? And his answer is yes. So confess your sins. Repent. Say, hey, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And if we truly repent, we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And if we repent and turn to Him, He'll place His Spirit within us. He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll show you the next step. If you just prayed that prayer and you're in this room, if you don't mind, raise your hand and say, Mike, that was me. I just prayed that prayer. Anybody in the room? I see your hand back here. I see your hand as well. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Two or three people raise their hand. Man, that's awesome. You know what? That, I, I say to you, welcome to God's family. Welcome to the welcome to the body of Christ. Welcome to the church. And, and that's all it takes is by faith. It's not you don't have to go earn it. You just received it. You just say, God, thank you. And so He has provided salvation for you. And so here's the thing: He's given you the power to walk a different life from this point forward. But you know, I believe there's some people here that have some, that there's some things they need to lay down at the, at the altar. They need to put it at the foot of the cross. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come to the front. They're going to be here at the altar. And in a second, our worship team is going to lead us through a song. And, and, and this is a great opportunity for you to just go mark a moment and say, God, I am laying this lie down. I am not going to believe it anymore. God, I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus for you to tear down this stronghold in my family or in my life or in my children's life or whatever it might be. But you get on your your, your face before God and you ask in the mighty name of Jesus for him to tear down these lies. And so right now, I want everybody in the room, just stand if you would. Everybody stand up and you respond as the Lord leads. Praise team's going to lead us through a song.
I really believe that some people found victory today by laying some things down. I believe there's some in this room that for the first time, they really believe that God can set them free. I believe that. There was three that raised their hand for salvation. Welcome to the family of God. Oh, so good. That is so good. That is so good. Maybe, you know, you didn't have the courage to come to the altar. We've got a VIP room back there. If you want to come back for prayer, we would love to pray with you. But God's working in hearts. And uh, He's the only one that can. He's the only one that can. Father, we thank you for meeting with us today. Father, I pray for those that are watching online. God, maybe today there was someone watching somewhere, somewhere in the world. God, they were watching that today they put their faith in Christ for salvation. I pray they'd let us know. Father, I think for these three that raised their hand. God, we might be able to help them take the next steps. Father, we look forward to seeing them go through the waters of baptism. God, we, we thank you for the fact that you're saving souls, God, that you're setting people free, and God, that we get to walk in victory this week. Father, help us to take the time to train and equip and prepare to use the weapons that you've given us to push back the darkness in our community, to push back the darkness in our families, and God, to demolish strongholds. Father, we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. 
And we pray these things in a way that we believe honors you. Father, I pray that everything that's happened today has honored you. In Jesus' name, amen.